0: Hey there, it's Kelly from Zinimi. Before we get started on today's episode, I want to invite you to one of our greatest trainings ever. It's how to build and grow a profitable solo or group practice sustainably. All you got to do is check it out at zinnime.com slash podcast. All right, on to our episode.
1: Buddy, <laughs> we're going to get started in just a few minutes as the last people come on in. Feel free to introduce yourself and uh, share your specialty and where you're from, and we'll get started in just a few minutes. It's such a great time to connect um, and get to know some amazing clinicians from all over the country and the world.
0: We have Philly, Ohio, Orange County, Indiana, the Midwest has shown up. New Jersey, East Coast. What, what? Awesome. Montana, Tara. So good to see you in here again. Shreveport, Louisiana. Awesome. Houston. Hi, Gerilyn. Welcome back. San Mateo. I've been to San Mateo and I've been to Houston.
1: <laughs> Wait a minute. Was I in Houston or Dallas? No, I was in Houston. Uh huh. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> in my mind, Austin, there's Austin and then there's like the other two big cities. And like, that's all of it's, like all I know about Texas is giant. It's too overwhelming to keep together. <laughs> what well, part of Michigan, are you in Kelsey? We know some people. I had a friend live in Saginaw for a little while. We we're just talking about that. And I um, know some people in Traverse City, Portland and Pittsburgh and Florida. oh, over the country.
0: Love it. Robin inspired me to change my profile photo. <laughs> I was like, wait a second. That photo was from seven years ago. I don't know why that uploaded. <laughs>
1: uh, because it's your it's your gravatar or what have you. That's okay. Right. My profile picture is Kelly and I together um, because of, they don't know how to Yeah, it just gets complicated, so.
0: Hey there, Kevin. New York City. Awesome. I am really excited about this series. If you missed last week, you can still catch the recording. What's really cool is now that you're logged in, you can have access to recordings and things like that. And then you'll notice in some of the emails we're sending out, um, you can get some downloads to kind of supplement what we're talking about in our private practice library, which is new. And I'm excited for those too. So lots of cool new things, changes we're making to give you more ease of access to all the trainings and downloads. So this will be recorded um, and you'll be able to come back and watch it as well. Um, but I still recommend if you, you get, especially for this one, pen and paper, and maybe your calculator, <laughs> your phone by your side. Um, it'll be good for going through this.
1: All right. We're ready to jump in and get started, Miss Kelly? We're I gonna... am. Are you guys? I'm ready. Are you guys ready? We'll turn off our um, our cameras just so that we don't, we'll get a nice clean recording. and. Uh, You won't see us squinting at the screen or anything like that like we are want to do as we're going back and forth and presenting.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, let's get started. You guys, welcome to the second in our Private Practice Challenge series. This is Kelly Higdon, the blondie on the right in the picture, and I want to welcome you to our... Training on private practice fees. And I'm excited to have you guys here.
1: And this is Miranda's voice. I'm the redhead on the left. Um, Today, we are going to be talking about how to continue improving those clinical outcomes while also improving your income at the same time. You can do both at the same time, guys. How exciting
0: is that? And our job today... Which we take very seriously is really to help you make three or four great decisions in your private practice to improve your outcome and your income because we want this to be purposeful, right? We're here, we want you to walk away with something tangible and with some clarity. So, we're going to cover why fee setting will either make or break your practice and how to overcome the common struggle that. People have in setting a fair fee and we'll guide you step by step on how to select that fee that's right for your practice and we'll share why clients love it when you set a fair fee and when you know how to talk about that fee with them in a way that puts them at ease, builds trust, what that impact is on the outcomes. So we're going to give you everything we got for the next hour and then we will show you where to go if you need more support and if you stick around at the end. We'll have Q&A and an awesome giveaway from Simple Practice. So is this stuff you guys want to learn? Does that feel like a good agenda to you? Does this align with what you need? If you haven't been to one of these before, we like to interact and chat. So type yes in the chat box if this is what you're here for. If this is what you want to get started from, I want to see yeses. If not... It's okay to log off, but we're hoping we're all on the same page. Yes, <laughs> yeah,
1: Exactly. This is one of the few webinars out there that when we say it's live, it's not like fake live. Like we're really here and we're looking to hear how you guys are doing and, and be here to support you guys. So time to grab that pen and paper if you haven't already because you're going to want to take notes. Um, but before we dig into the how-to, let's talk about the why. Why is this stuff, why is your fee so important? When you have a client come through your doors, you teach them to value themselves, their time, their health. You teach them how to make decisions that reflect love and self-respect, right? You ask them to make an investment in their well-being, not just with their money, but with their time and energy. What's the return your client gets for that investment of time and energy into what they really want? What happens when they start to honor their life in a way that frees them up to be their highest and best? Take a moment and really think about the power of the work that you do with your clients. It's a relationship unlike any other. You're transforming lives for generations to come. Not just that person, but every person they interact with. Now, take a moment and reflect. Are you doing the same for yourself? Do you value yourself, your knowledge, your health, your overall well-being? Do you live in a world where you focus to develop a growth mindset with the core belief that you are of value and are making an impact in the world? How does valuing yourself show up in your work? It shows up in how you take care of yourself on all levels so you can do this great work. And today we're going to talk about how it shows up in your time and your fee. We start out of the gate overworked, going to school full-time, working at unpaid or low-paid placements, maybe even with an additional full-time job to pay the bills. We're often taught to do as much as possible with as little as possible and how to continually lower our standards based on the system that we work within. This dynamic often becomes our norm that sets the standard for what our career should be like but is this really how it's meant to be? So many professionals end up working tons of hours, taking on a lot of clients so they can pay the bills or even just gather hours for free. They see more clients than they can realistically keep track of, much less do focused, impactful therapy with. They end up feeling more and more stress, less rested, less passionate, more guilty, more burned out, and not getting great outcomes. Ugh. This isn't why you're in practice, is it? This isn't you feeling like you're doing your highest and best work, is it? No, it's a vicious cycle. And this is the cycle which leads to our profession being one of the worst paid master's degrees. When did caseloads of 40, 50, or 100 become the norm? What therapy pioneer getting great outcomes is seeing 35, 40, or 50 clients a week and living a balanced life? When did things shift that a private 45 to 50-minute psychotherapy session is appropriate to reimburse at less than $35 an hour by an insurance company? It's happening in 2019. Therapists are accepting these reimbursements and fees even though they can't live on it while sustaining good work. They are charging fees that aren't sustainable and other therapists are looking to them to see what's appropriate to charge. Therapists are just doing the best they can with the information they have, but these decisions are adding up.
0: Oh, I just got chills. (laughs) Preach. Okay. I think too, you know, think about how you might be contributing to decisions that kill off our profession. If we all in this webinar, if and beyond our colleagues, if we all undervalue our profession, the profession will collapse. By undervaluing ourselves we contribute to the stigma that therapy isn't valuable. And we are hearing from people who are starting to second guess licensure because they feel like getting licensed means they will get paid less than if they focus on coaching or some other field. The undervaluing happens not only with how we treat ourselves but also how we treat those who work for us as employees, contractors and supervisees. You have a great great power to change the tide and be a positive influence on this field. The first step is just owning up to what you have said or done that has hurt the field and then working through it to change it. If you have been a person that has bought into this stuff, we're going to help you change that, okay? Because the stigma has to stop. If we hide or feel shame, we are simply saying that what we do isn't that valuable and it's not true. So a lot of boot campers and coaching clients, even when they've been in practice for years, come to us wanting to break this cycle of fear or the financial struggle they're in. But they don't want to look at the fee that they're charging, even though it's the main reason they're stuck in the first place. They usually want to up their hours or um, to make more income before they'll look at the fee. They want to see more clients. Or they want to talk about passive income streams, right? Like, I want to add something else that'll buffer um, by doing these other projects and doing more work, though they're already tapped. There are therapists out there and we've talked to them who are seeing 10 clients a day, four to five days a week with literally no gap between. We're We're not making this up, you know, and they do 45 minute sessions back to back and they're doing this to maximize how much they can make and the time they have. But how do you really ensure great documentation uh, when do you go to the bathroom uh, or have a snack, and and when do you have time to just reflect and explore how to improve your work with clients? There are also really well-meaning therapists who fall asleep in session; they're tired. Therapists who can't remember their clients from session to session—why? Because they're trying to do more than their body can handle. I don't think that they're inherently bad therapists. At least I hope not. But I really believe every client deserves to have your highest and best services do you agree do you want your clients to get the best i want to hear from you are we are we tracking here are we kind of aligned so far
1: right this all has a huge impact on the clinical outcomes as well when you don't value your business when you diminish your value you and your clients lose out But when you hold the space to the value you provide, it's inspiring. The biggest indicator of great outcomes is the clinician's ability to build a trusting, connected relationship with the client. That means you have to be in an emotional and physical space to build the relationship with a client. The number one factor to being successful with outcomes is acknowledging and accepting what you need to be a great clinician. And this looks different for everyone, but all of us need time to create this relationship. We need space. Sometimes we want to do as much as we can because we don't want to accept our circumstances. It would mean we might have to grieve some tough stuff. We see it a lot in boot camp single parents, people with chronic illness, people who have other roles in their families as a caretaker, people going through major life changes. When you don't acknowledge the needs of your life, how can you tell your business to meet those needs? And how can you be present when you're stressing out to fit someone else's life and schedule instead of your own? Your clients can feel it. Imagine if you look at your life and say, what can I give to my business and also be in my life in the way that I need to be? Being honest about your time will help you not only determine your fee, but it'll help you set a schedule so that you can be present with your clients. You see every single client from the beginning of the week, the first person on Monday or Tuesday morning or afternoon, and the very last client, the last end of the day. Can you imagine leaving your last session of the week feeling content with enough energy to go home, cook a healthy dinner, and enjoy a conversation with a friend or loved one? What else do you need to be a good clinician? Training, supervision, clinical support. It all takes time and money. You want to have these opportunities and you need a fee that will support those efforts too. Maybe you also need to look at seeing your clients more regularly, having a regular slot for them because it means they have a better relationship, a more transformative work, and financially you can plan more easily. If you're in a group practice or have other services, if you want to have great outcomes with your expansion, these things to think about still imply. You expand out of abundance, not desperation. The additional people you help will only benefit from that growth. What would your practice look like if you operated at the highest standard of care possible? And how would it impact your client to have a therapist who isn't fearful of taking a vacation, has a solid rep- retirement, doesn't come to sessions sick? as a buffer in case of emergencies that says no to clients that aren't a good fit, all the things we want for our clients, we deserve them too.
0: So I want you to take a moment and look at your schedule and your energy level. Are your clients getting your best, happiest, most present self? Are you a positive contribution to the field? Take out that sheet of paper right now, and I want you to write down the impact of having a fair fee on your clinical work and on the field as a whole. If you were to make some changes right now, what would that mean for your clients and for our community as a whole? Write that down. Just take a moment because your clients want to work with a well-rested, happy, inspired therapist. They want to work with someone who's able to put the time and energy into delivering them excellence and being awesome. And I'll be honest, I'm not choosing the bargain basement dentist. As much as I don't want to pay for dental work, especially root canal, I'm going to find someone who's awesome at it and who I trust to do the work. You create expertise and value today, in this moment, as you choose. And we know you. You will deliver your highest and best. You just need to make sure you're freed up to create that excellence. And your fee is one of the ways you free up yourself to provide that excellence. Okay? So now that you've you've kind of explored and written that down, Let's talk about what to do about it, because running a for-profit business with a non-profit mentality is one of the fastest ways to close your business. You don't want that. Your clients don't want that, and we don't want that. I hear from other clinicians about their focus on covering their expenses and focusing on the cost to own a business. People are spending hours trying to cut a quarter percent on their credit card charges while sliding down their fee 10 to 30% for every client. It doesn't matter how low your expenses are if you aren't making money. Your fee is what makes your business a business. Pro bono and sliding scale is the nonprofit part of your business, which, by the way, should be done ethically with a thought-out process that isn't biased. The fee you charge is upon which your business functions. So let's look at how small decisions can impact the big picture. Hey, it's Kelly. Are you enjoying today's episode? There is so much more to starting your private practice. That's why we created Business School for Therapists. It's our lifetime access business building program created especially for you and all the future stages of practice that you are going to go through. If you're ready to join a community that supports you, that to have access to a massive library of private practice trainings covering everything from creating your vision to setting your fee to getting you legally covered and more, this is for you. Simply go to bit.ly slash therapistbusinessschool to get started. This graph assumes you're taking two weeks off per year. And by the way, we want you to take more than that off per year. In boot camp, we encourage at least four weeks off when you're starting. Um, But I'm not great at math, and it just makes it easy to do 50 weeks per year. (laughs) So essentially, if you saw 20 clients per week, every $10 difference in your fee equals a $10,000 loss in income. Think about that. You say, oh, my fee is $130. But when you look at the big picture, on average, you're at like $100 per hour because you've slid all over the place for people. That's a $30,000 impact. Yikes. Does this sink in for you? Does it help to see it this way? The decision to slide, to not hold to what you need, not only you know, impacts the business, but impacts your ability to be present for your clients and the, de- the demands of your personal life, it adds up.
1: Mm. So wow. let's, let's take you through that step-by-step process of setting your fee. Hopefully you still have that pen and paper out. And maybe even take a nice deep breath as you start thinking about as everyone's looking at the annual income lost in red Ah! (laughs) and what it's doing. So step one, identify how many clients you can realistically see in a week. And that means that from the first client to the last, you bring the same enthusiasm and energy, no room for burnout, not what others think you should do, but what's right for you. You get to decide because this is your business and your outcomes. Yeah, (laughs) write that number down. Some of you will feel 10 is great. Others will feel 25 or 30 is a sweet spot. Although 30, I don't know, (laughs) you must have a really simplified life. Again, this is looking at your life situation and what's right for you. You can't build a business comparing yourself to others. You build a business based on knowing yourself and embracing your needs. So step one, how many sessions do you want per week? Step two, decide how many weeks off you want per year. Everyone's different in this area. Some people want to travel on four-day weekends, take many short periods off. Others of you may need to take a full month off. Some of you have children that have three weeks off for Christmas, and you need to create an option for that. Um, and some of you get sick more than others and have medical reasons why you need to plan for more time off during that year, create a business that contributes to the bigger picture of the life you want to create. We typically say at least four weeks off per year to start. And that'll include those general weeks off some slow week and time for sickness. Um, but you decide what's best for you. And then step three Decide how much you need and want to make gross income. How much money does your business need to generate to hit your financial goals in life and business? The amount needs to cover your business expenses like rent, training, licensure, renewal, utilities, healthcare costs, retirement contributions, technology expenses, sick leave, payroll, um, We have a calculator that does this all for you in boot camp. Um, But you can do a little quick sketch now. Remember, your gross income will not be like that old school paycheck you used to receive. Your employer took care of, hopefully, sick time, vacation, 401k, health benefits, payroll taxes, your work equipment, your training, and a bunch of other things. You know, toilet paper in the bathroom. (laughs) You now have to have a plan that saves for everything now. And you can't skip paying a bill in your personal life every time you need a consultation session or when your work laptop needs an overhaul. This amount also needs to cover your living expenses like mortgage and life insurance, food, utilities, savings, retirements, and taxes. And don't forget vacations and college funds for your children if you have those and all those dreams you want to support with your business. Gross money is what you initially take in and that is the money you keep after expenses aka your take home pay the lower your gross the higher your percentage of expenses will be talk to a cpa you need to you need one if you own a business but a common recommendation is to plan for 30% of what you make going to expenses and taxes can be roughly 20 to 30% as well depending on where you live so what does that amount come up to It can be shocking to realize what it takes to run a business and support your life. Are you afraid to say it? It's normal. We aren't used to speaking out loud what we want and need when it comes to money, but that's holding you back. How can you plan your business, pick your fee if you don't know what you really need? And just because other people say you can't make that amount of income doesn't mean it's It's true. Don't let other people define your goals and needs. We recommend people determining what they want, And you might discover that you can work less, or you might discover you'll need other streams of income to get your goal. But first, let's just look at what you can do with that one-to-one. So now you're going to plug into the formula. You're going to take that gross income, that giant number, divide it by how many work weeks you're working per year. That tells you how much per week you need to bring in. Divide that number by the number of clients you can see per week, and that's your fee. For example, you need to make $100,000 gross per year to take home what you really need. Working 50 hours per week, seeing 20 clients per week, that comes out to $100 an hour.
0: So here are a a few quick examples uh, of what the math looks like. You can see how each of these factors all impact the fee right? That you decide to charge. Notice we didn't suggest doing a fee based on what others are doing in your area. Yes. Even if you're in a poor area, a rural area, all of those things, it's based on your needs and your vision for your life. Because if you aren't happy with your income, you have the power to change it, but something has to give. Either you have to see more clients, raise your fee or add other services. Doing the same thing, will produce the same result okay so you can i'm hoping you can see with these like just the things in pink show you what shifts you can see if you were to take off more time what that means for your fee versus if you were to see fewer clients or see more clients now how often times when people do the math they have an aha moment and decide wait i want more time off than that or I wanna see fewer clients. That's fine. Play with these numbers. But you can see their impact overall and what it means for your weekly schedule and your time off. We would say I, I think about 90% of people going through our boot camp who apply this formula end up changing their fee. Another 20 to 30% ultimately begin developing other streams of income when they discover that the one-on-one is not enough to provide the income they desire, but not until after they've got the business of their initial business, their one-on-one, and they manage those clinical practices needs well. So what about you? Take take that piece of paper and write down, you know, the rough sketch of the fee you've developed. You're probably going to need to go back and really flesh out the gross part. The gross part, (laughs) the gross income income amount. (laughs) What impact would this fee make on your income if you only charge this fee? No sliding scale. Just take 10 seconds and I want you to write down the impact. If you went full fee and you decided to charge, this is your fee. So now that you know the impact of your fee on your life, let's address any fears you might have about charging that fee, right? First, let's talk about the concept of customary and usual or what the market can handle. Insurance companies have what is called usual and customary. And who decided the fees that were customary? The insurance company did. They decided for the benefit of their company what they would allow. It has nothing to do with the cost of you doing business or you sustaining the work. And comparing yourself to others around you is simply a way to kick up fear. The person down the street doesn't do what you do, nor do they have the circumstances of life that you have. You are unique. The relationship and service you provide cannot be replicated by another. And your needs and your lifestyle, they're your own. So comparing yourself to other people around you is like comparing apples to oranges. Plus, you really don't know how that other person is doing in their business. And then many of us think more training, more initials after our name, more certifications will give us permission to charge a full fee. And yet we all know therapists with tons of certifications that don't really connect deeply and do great work. Think about it in this way. If you lined up three great clinicians and two were okay for a cheap price and the other was awesome, exactly what you needed but pricey, who would you choose? How much does it cost for a facial at a high-end spa? All these things. Are you charging less than someone who would pay for a facial? One of the blocks is a fear of being money hungry or being perceived and judged as being in it for the money. Um, I have yet to meet anybody who got their degree in this. <laughs> for that. But you know, it's a fear that we have sometimes when we start, when it starts coming up. So we find a lot of therapists start sliding their fee. They bargain their rates with clients. And as you saw, small changes over time to your fee really add up. Sliding scale fees should account for no more than 10% of your fees. In fact, we suggest you don't factor them into your business plan. There are also many, many ways to give back to the community and help others without sliding your fee that could be much more impactful. And we give a long list of these ideas in boot camp. Just think of other ways to serve beyond sacrificing your business. Service is part of a great business ethic. We encourage it. We support it. We coach on it. But you get to choose how you integrate this in your business model. And sliding scale may not always be the answer.
1: Now, what about this? What if the fee I need to charge is blank, but the insurance company reimburses Something very different and much lower. What do you do? You have just a few options. One, you can charge a higher fee so that the private pay clients subsidize the insurance clients. Two, you can ask the insurance for a raise um, and, you know, hope that that changes the the process for you um, or helps to close that gap. Three, you can drop the insurance panels that don't meet your needs um and move on for them for you could stop sleeping stop getting good training and consultations come to work when you're sick stop paying taxes skip lunches let your house get foreclosed on sell your house and rent a room only shop at thrift stores don't ever take time off work weekends and see more clients than is clinically appropriate you might be laughing or you might not be this is the reality there are a lot of people who are making these choices whose houses are getting foreclosed on who cannot support themselves based on the insurance contracts that they've accepted. Now that you're in a place where you have clarity about what your business needs are, you have to make some decisions about what to do with that. Insurance, not a bad thing, guys. (laughs) It's not a big deal. In some areas, insurance reimbursement rates are totally sustainable. and other areas, they are not. For example, we have clients in Alabama who get reimbursed in like rural Alabama kind of that get reimbursed more for the same CPT code as therapists in Los Angeles, like double, double for Alabama than LA with that cost of living. This is simply a business decision. And the ethical requirements that you adhere to are to do great work, not to take insurance. And if you determine that it's time to drop some or all of your insurance panels, it can be scary. We get it. Most of it's a mental game with yourself. Not everyone needs to get off insurance. Again, we're not anti-insurance. We're anti-building a business that isn't sustainable. You have to look at the math and see what works for you. If it's time to eliminate one or more panels, start off with not taking any more insurance clients for that panel. Consider those slots as being filled. Then start dropping the panels that are the worst and move on from there. Some of you may love using panels, the keys being on the right ones for your business goals. So drop the worst ones first. Slowly step off the others and give your clients time to adjust. Believe it or not, a lot of them will choose to continue to work with you. What about raising your fee? You may discover through this webinar that your fees have to go up. We want you to remember that this is not just about the betterment of your business, but when you raise your fee ethically, it's an opportunity for the therapeutic relationship as well. We want to prepare our clients for coping with change in the world. And what better way to do that than within the therapy room? We think it's a disservice if our clients never have to experience change in therapy. Yeah, consistency is nice. But so is presence when there's discomfort. If you need to raise your fee, it's It is. We teach the process in boot camp, but usually we advise our boot campers to start with new clients first. Anyone who calls moving forward from the moment you determine your new fee from an educated, planned out place, you tell them your new fee. We find that boot campers who start uh, start in this way, they see it's okay, that people pay the fee, fee, they build their confidence to then raise their fee with their ongoing clients. So after you raise your fee for new clients, not long after, you don't want a huge lingering gap because of your integrity and the simplicity of running your business, you raise your fee for existing clients. Even raise your sliding scale clients. Give clients a two-month notice in person and with a letter so they can digest the information after session. You want them to have time to process the fee raise and determine next steps, whether that be they stay or terminate and finish up therapy or they're referred out. When you're clear and confident about this decision, it allows you to be present for the range of emotions from your clients. If it's a huge jump for your clients, you can do a step-up plan for payment. You might lose some clients, but you have to make room for change in your business somehow. We found we didn't lose clients. In fact, our clients made changes so that they could afford the fee. And it wasn't just because they were affluent or weren't affluent. I had people that were on fixed incomes and Um, People who were out of jobs, who were really focused, they valued the work, and they wanted to make the investment in their health and relationships.
0: And as we start to consider all these options, the what-if committee rises and starts to throw their objections. What if I'm pre-licensed? What if I'm newly licensed? What if I'm just starting out? What if people can't afford my fee? What if I live in a poor area, a small area, a big city, a saturated area? What if they think I'm greedy? You might be familiar with these committee members in our brain and the talk that they like to give us. What ifs don't matter when you know your worth, though? When you're confident about how you impact the world, that's all there is to be considered. What will it take for you to see your value, to really dig deep and honor your vision and your dream for yourself, your life, and for the people you impact? Because when you understand the why, that impacts, that silences that committee, right? We give a full initial console script for people to use in our boot camp for them to modify in their own words. And what we discover is that 90% of the clinicians we've worked with didn't know how to talk about their fee or what clients would expect from therapy. Your awkwardness, your quickening to bargain your fee does not instill confidence in the person seeking services. So it isn't always that the person just can't afford your fee. It's often that you aren't handling the conversation with confidence and clarity. So we want to talk a little briefly about how you talk to a person who calls about your fee. You start the conversation with setting a boundary. Hey, we have 15 minutes today to chat. And this time, I want to help you make a really great decision. And at the end of this call, if it's a good fit, I'll schedule you. And if not, um, I'll give you some other resources. Sound good? Then you talk about their goals. Why now are they seeking help? Dig a little bit into what's going on. Then discuss how you work and what the process of therapy is like. Be honest. If you work long term, share that with them. Really help them prepare so that they can make a good decision. Then you simply state your fee and how you handle insurance. That's it. You just state it. You don't need to excuse it or defend it. Then you offer the appointment times you have available. Ask if they'd like to schedule an appointment or if you can answer questions so that they can really make a good decision. And if the fee is an issue, handle their fears, not by lowering your fee. By talking about the investment in themselves and also talking about the options. Sometimes people just don't know how our mental health system works. They don't know what a nonprofit option looks like versus a private practice option versus going through their insurance. And they all have their pros and cons. So how would your business change if you were to have a process for discussing your fee? Think about that clinical impact from setting, setting that clarity from the beginning, what that does for the therapeutic relationship. What difference would it make to change how you handle these conversations? So we've covered a lot today. I mean, you probably can go back and, and pick up things that we just kind of ran through and delve in more deeply. We've talked about the impact of the fee on your life and on your clinical work. When you charge a good fee, you have time to provide great services. It has an impact on your outcomes and how to talk about this fee with your clients. What's your biggest takeaway? I want to hear from you guys. If you could type, what are you taking away from this? What are you going to do different moving forward from this little bit that we've covered and I see some of you posting questions and we will answer those at the Q&A time. But what are you going to do different? What's your biggest takeaway from this?
1: Getting rid of the fear of what if. I love that, Tammy. That's huge. That's huge. <laughs> awesome. Well, This is where we're going to say, oh, value my practice and my work. Figure out what I want my growth to be. These are important details, right? Um, I need to learn how to talk to clients about my fee. Yes. Okay. I love it. So this is where we say thank you each for coming today. We truly appreciate each and every one of you. For those of you who want to continue to hang with us, feel free to stick around. We're going to be sharing more about the Business School Boot Camp for Therapists and why people are raving about it. We hope today you walked away with at least one thing that you can make a change in right now in your life, in your practice, some more clarity, and that this training really is changing your life. If you want more of this, if you want to go deeper, if you want Kelly and I really working with you in an intensive way, consider the Business School Bootcamp for Therapists. We are enrolling now. It's a year-long, powerful online business training system built specifically to help therapists grow happy, thriving, sustainable private practices that they and their clients love. It is all about improving your clinical outcomes, having more freedom, and having a better income while doing what you love and what your purpose is made for. So go to bschoolbootcamp.com forward slash about and schedule an interview today. That's a 15-minute private interview with Kelly or myself where we can Get to know you, your specific experience and situation, and give you real feedback about whether this is something that could be helpful, or we can point you in the right direction one way or the other. We look forward to working with you. Again, schedule that interview today at bschoolbootcamp.com forward slash about.
0: I hope you loved today's episode. If you're a therapist who's tired of those long hours, low pay, and constantly battling burnout... Don't forget our free video training designed just for you on how to build and grow a sustainable, profitable solo or group practice. Head over to zinneme.com slash podcast to check it out today. Until next time.